Didn't feel like it. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like when that alarm goes off in the morning, just throwing that thing across the room? You ever felt like uh, when, when the family calls and says, hey, we'd like to have you over for dinner tonight, you felt like saying, well, you know, I got sick all of a sudden. Amen. You ever just felt like giving up in life? You ever just felt like because of what you've been through in your life, you feel like just giving up? I've been there, amen. I'm going to minister this morning uh, for just a few minutes. I promise not to take uh, too much of your time, amen. I'm going to preach a message, and you can title the message, How to Activate Forgiveness in Your Life. It's easy to say we forgive. I, I've, I've, I've heard it all my life. My mother was a drug addict. My mother was involved in a lot of different things in her life. I'm not going to go into details because I want you to love my mother when you see her, amen. But uh, I saw God do a miracle in my mother's life. And I saw God pull her from the streets, the gangs and the violence and the, the things that the world looks to and, and respects, to be honest with you. We live in a generation that is sick. They look to somebody with power and authority because of what they've done wrong or how they've done things the opposite way other than being right, amen. And they, 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 we look to them and say, wow, that guy's dangerous, man. He's tough. He's, he's crazy. He's, don't mess with him. Don't mess with this woman. And my mother, I'll just give you just a little brief story. My mother is four foot ten and a half inches tall. Matter of fact, I'd have to come way down here just to look in her eyes. And uh, my mother, uh, I've seen her beat up 20 men by herself. By my, I've seen it with my own eyes. Now, she won't admit to it right now. And, and some of you men are saying, well, that never happened. Well, there's not a man in here. I guarantee that woman would not have whooped. Amen. Hallelujah. She was crazy. Especially if you're taking her food from her. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyways, my mother, she came from this lifestyle that was, uh, you know, it was, she was involved in a relationship where this man was involved in gangs and all kinds of different things going on in her life. And my mother gave her life to Jesus Christ in, um, what year was that? 1978. I'm thinking in Spanish again. Every time I look at you. Amen. And uh, she gave her life to Jesus in 1978. She came into this, this little tiny building. And if you ever wonder if maybe you've done something so wrong or you've, you can't be forgiven because of something you've done in your life or because of how ugly your spirit is, you know, there's some people that are in church today, they have an ugly spirit. You look at them, they look like they've been weaned on a dill pickle, amen? They look like a mule looking at a new gate. I mean, it's just always something going on in their life. But I'm going to tell you something. The day she gave her life to Jesus Christ, it was like a, a demonic spirit walking into this church building. And when she came out of that place, it was like looking at an angel walking out of a church building. It was a life-changing experience, and it was so powerful. It was so real that it was something that I wanted to have so bad. And that morning, we followed her to the church, and we asked her, Mama, can we come with you? Something's wrong. It's Sunday morning, and you're up getting ready, blow-drying your hair. My mother didn't blow dry her hair on Sundays, amen? She slept from Friday night all the way. I mean, from Saturday night, she slept all the way to probably Thursday. It's just the lifestyle they live, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But my mother got up that morning. She went into this place, and she began to clean herself up, and she began to, I mean, I'm just, she was so excited about going to this place, and she did not want my brother and I to be in that place with her. Matter of fact, she walked across that road and she was throwing rocks at us behind her to get us to run away from her because she did not want us to follow her to this place. But we saw where she went and we watched her walk in this building. She told the ushers at the front door, she said, do not let those two little boys into this church because they will rob it. And that was the honest, if your wallet's missing, I'll give it back later. <laughs> Amen? I'm kidding. It was the truth. We lived a life of a sinner. 
And that day we got there, we sat on the stoop of the church, and we're sitting out in them front chairs, and all of a sudden the ushers bring us peanut butter, and they bring us all these different things that we could eat on. We hadn't eaten in, in probably days, and we're sitting there, we're just eating. We ate an entire big old tub like this full of peanut butter. Yeah, and we were, we were happy doing it, amen? But we sat there, and we were loved by those people. Let me tell you something. I had a reason in my life to hate and to not forgive the people in my life. I was raised to rob, uh, to kill, steal, and destroy, and that sounds like the devil to you. Doesn't that sound like the devil? But that's what we were taught as kids. We were taught to take advantage uh, of everyone around us. We were taught that nobody had anything good for you. Don't listen to any man. Uh, my, my, my father, the guy that raised me, I mean, he taught us that you're going to fight for your life. Even if somebody does good to you, you're going to whoop them and you're going to tell them that, you know, you, thank you very much, but, uh, you know, don't come around me ever again. I'm telling you, it was a bitter heart. Uh, it was a spirit uh, that was left in us as children and we had to overcome. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I've had to forgive. I've had to do this. I've even had to be forgiven. And I've done a lot of things in my life where I have had to be forgiven for what I've done. But this is a different kind of forgiveness that I'm talking about today. I'm talking about uh, being able to understand how to activate this forgiveness in our lives. It's one thing to forgive. It's one thing to be forgiven. But to activate that forgiveness, it's more than words. It's more than just a doing. It's more than just a saying. It's a lifestyle. I was in the airplane with Pastor Jones, our, our, our founding pastor, and... Uh, he happens to be my father-in-law. That's exactly where I was going with that story is that uh, you, you never know what God has for you in your life. You never know who God has for you. You never know that it, what God is going to do in your particular situation. Me, I was raised as a drug uh, addict and a child uh, that was raised on drugs and alcohol and perversion. And all of a sudden, as I'm raised up in this place, it was the very first message that that pastor had preached in that home church. Well, actually, it was, the, it was uh, a little church he was just visiting. And he came into town, he preached a revival, and my mother got saved in the very first service he preached in that revival. It was a Sunday morning, and the very next, that, that next service, which was that Sunday night, my, we begged my mother to let us come back to church with her. We said, please, we want what you have. I mean, it was amazing. It was like dipping your hand in a candy bowl. Listen, I don't want the hard candies. I want chocolates. I mean, matter of fact, I might even have some on me. Yeah, I do. Amen. And I don't have diabetes either. I don't have high blood pressure. This is because I like them, glory to God. Thank you, Paul Platt. Now, don't be bringing me all kinds of chocolates because my wife will know I ate them. Amen? And I'll be in a lot of trouble. What was I saying? Huh? Oh, Pastor Jones, that guy. Yeah, I remember him. Well, let me tell you what happened. We got saved in that second night, in that night service, and ever since then, it's been 40 years. We just celebrated in August our 40-year anniversary, and that man has been my pastor for 40 years. Now, listen to this. I had no idea when I came in, got saved, and gave my life to Jesus that I was going to end up marrying his daughter. You have no idea who your children will marry. Now, listen, that puts a big responsibility on you. You better raise them children in a godly way. You better put them kids in a place where they need to be so that, what, that God can make happen what God wants to do in your life. You say, well, I've already got my eyes on who my son's going to marry. You have no idea. When I moved to Costa Rica, I had no idea. Little Destiny running around with, with little underwear on her head and playing around like a little kid. Destiny, I love you, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was three years old, I believe it was. Was it three? 
My goodness, she was three years old running around, the most ornery little child you'd ever met in your entire life. Now, those of you that know Destiny, you know that can't be true. She's so precious and so loving and so kind and so beautiful. But I had no idea that my little Landon would ever be attracted to Destiny. And I'm sorry to bring that up. It got quiet. Let me, let me, change, let me change the subject. Amen. But I had no idea. I had no idea what God was going to do. I, didn't, I still don't know anything what God's going to do. God has a sense of humor too. Did you know that? And God brought us together. God put us all in a fellowship together. He put your pastor in my life. He put me in his life and you in my life and me in yours. Hallelujah. You are stuck with me. Amen. I was in a plane with Pastor Jones, and we were coming back from, from uh, I believe it was David City, Panama. And we get in this plane, and we're taking off, and all of a sudden, you hear this loud, boom. And I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, a piece of luggage moved underneath. It was a, it was a, a small plane, so there's like nine of us on, the, on board. And Pastor Jones looks over at me, and he says, did you hear that? And he knows I'm deathly afraid to fly. Back then, I was so afraid to fly. I mean, I've flown so many thousands of times now, it doesn't even faze me now. But back then, I was scared to death. And he said, did you hear that? And I said, yeah, I did. What was it? He says, look out that window and tell me what you see. And I said, well, I see the ocean. I see the water. I knew we were right there by the water. He said, this pilot has turned this plane around. We just blew an engine. I said, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, my father-in-law is messing with me. Because he will mess with me. I go to the airport with my father-in-law, and if you've ever seen my hairy hands, I know I caught you looking at him. I'm a hairy guy, you know, so he tells them, he says, uh, you know, this, this guy's, uh, he, he's an Arab, or he's this, or he's that. He gets them. Every single time I go through the airport with my father-in-law, he tells them, and they end up pulling me back to the back room and giving me the search, and he does it to me on purpose. And I'm not done with his airplane story, because let me tell you something, he did it to me again. And we get in this airplane, I'm telling you what, and, and we're flying up through there, and they, they, they brought us down, the airplane engine blew up, they brought us back down to the water, or to the, to the runway, and they made us get out of the plane. He said, we blew an engine in that airplane. Thank God we were safe. He said, we're bringing another airplane in. A storm was coming in, and we saw this storm, the news is out, the telecasts are out saying, oh, this big storm is coming through, and they said, no, we're not worried about it, we have to get this crew back, we have a doctor on board, and he's got to get back to Costa Rica, we are bringing a, another airplane from Costa Rica all the way here to pick you up and take you back, and we're like, oh, Pastor Jones is up there, he's like, uh -uh, you, you, you better know it, we're not getting on this plane, I'm Pastor Ron Jones, and I've got my disciple with me, and we're not getting on this plane, that, that man said, sir, you guys are getting on this plane. We're bringing the best storm plane in the world to pick you guys up. We're thinking, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Pastor Jones is strutting. He's walking back and forth, calling all his pastor buddies. And they're praying. Everybody's talking. We get on this plane. And the storm had already passed like an hour through. And we get on this plane, and we can see ahead of us the, air, the, the storm is just, it's bad. Lightning everywhere. We get into this storm. This plane catches up to the storm. And I'm telling you something, the plane was rocking. I, I, I Listen, I like to tell stories, and I like to tell them good. Amen. I, I heard a man one time, he said, if you're going to tell a good story, you got to lie a little bit. Amen. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a good story. This plane was flipping. We were doing circles. Hallelujah. Man, the smoke was coming out of the back of that thing. It was awesome. And I was scared to death. And the sad thing is, those little airplanes, you can see the pilot up in the front, and he's going, Ooh. He's got the thing 
I don't even know what you call him, but he's got him in his hands. And he's going up and down and jerking all over the place. And people are getting sick in the plane. And here comes my pastor. Son, you ought to help those two old ladies sitting next to you. I said, Dad, I can't help. One of them sitting next to you. And, I, and the other one's, you help her and I'll help her. He says, no, son, you got to help them. They need your help. You can do this. Help them. And I'm like, okay, come on over here. And I'm holding these two old ladies in my arms. I don't mean that disrespectfully, please. I'm saying they're, they're elderly. And they, they're, they're, matter of fact, they were 82 years old each. And they were out in Panama City, man. They're having a blast of their life. They were younger than I was at heart, amen. They were, they were on that airplane, but they began to get sick. And this is the part that I couldn't get over. Because I'm sitting there holding on to these two ladies, and I'm just comforting them, and oh, it's all over the place. They threw up, and they got sick all over me. And Pastor Jones is saying, yeah, you got this. You're their hero. I'm making the story up a little bit, okay? But you know where I'm going with this. Pastor Jones looks over at me as that airplane is flipping and turning and twisting. And he says, do you have any unforgiveness in your heart? And before, I could even, before he could even get done with his sentence, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, oh, no, I love everybody. I love everybody. You know, unforgiveness is an amazing thing. Unforgiveness is an, it's an insect. It's, it's, a, it's a sickness in our, in our lives, as my brother brought to my attention this morning. It can cause uh, diabetes and all types of different uh, sicknesses in our bodies that relate to the bones and the blood and all these other things that go on in our lives, uh, all because we cannot uh, forgive. Now, let me just tell you, I've been, I've been spit on. I've been kicked at. Uh, I've been thrown away. I've been pushed aside. I've been slapped. Uh, I, and sometimes I like the slaps. Hallelujah, amen. Keeps me motivated. Glory to God. Amen. But let me tell you something. One thing I learned a long time ago was I have to forgive. I have to let it go. Let's turn in our Bibles if we could. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 25. I'm going to read it. Sometimes I get a little carried away with my stories, and I just love to uh, get you uh, understanding where I'm about to go. Amen. I got you right here, right now. And we're going to read this message. It's Matthew 18, 21 through 25. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? How often, he says, and I forgive him. Up to seven times, he's asking the question. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times. Seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had. And that payment be made. Amen. You see, prior to every level of growth in our lives, whether it's individually or as a church, often there's going to be times of offense that are going to come our way. There's going to be something that comes at you that is going to hurt you. It's going to affect you. It's going to, it's going to cause you to react to sometimes in an incorrect way. And that's what happens to every one of us. But often these offenses, they come in the way of tests that they prove and they, they prepare us for the next level of maturity that God has for every single one of us leading us, that, that God is leading us towards. Amen. How many know that God has a direction for you? 
Sometimes we get off course and we're over here messing around and God says, okay, come on back here. I'm going to get you right where I need you to be. But see, we get off course. We get stuck uh, in these different things that are going on in our lives. Uh, but we need to know that these offenses in our lives, uh, they can be your tombstone or they can be your stepping stone, amen, into the grace of God. I said it can be your tombstone or it can be your stepping stone towards the grace of God. Amen? Trouble is not an optional thing. But I want you to know this morning that misery is. Misery is optional. Trouble is not. You're going to go into some trouble. Listen, I promise you I had no intent on getting out there in that basketball game and causing, we'll just call it a riot. Amen? I had no intent. I had no idea that it was going to cause uh, uh, the problem that it caused like it did. I didn't intend that. But I will tell you one thing. There's a guarantee in life that, that misery is a choice. Amen. I can choose to be miserable for the rest of my life or I can choose to be happy uh, because of circumstances. Somebody did me wrong. Somebody cheated me. Somebody lied to me. Somebody stole this from me. You know, when I go up and when I give a contract out, and, uh, you know, our business now, we, we strictly only do window cleaning. And uh, my son owns Squeaky Clean Window Cleaning here in, in the Denton area. It's a new one. It's not the old company that was here before. But let me tell you something. Uh, before, I, I did all kinds of other types of businesses. I mean, I was fully active in business. I, I owned five different companies, and, and they were all Squeaky Clean, but different phases. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. I have faced uh, the giants in this world, in the business world. I've gone before city councils. I've gone before, I mean, I'm, one of my major accounts that I got before I was called into ministry uh, to, to go into San Jose, Costa Rica, I was just going to learn Spanish. But God called me to that ministry because God knew exactly what was coming next. Amen. God has a way. And I said, you know what? I'm going just to learn Spanish. But God says, you're going to learn Spanish. And I'm going to put you through all these different trials. And I had to forgive a lot of people that hurt me in between. A lot of people, a lot of directors of the school that came at me and told me how stupid I was. You'll never get it. I'm 35 years old trying to learn a foreign language. I'm sitting there in a child's seat looking up at a teacher trying to, trying to teach me Spanish. And I can remember the first time the teacher, they hold up a sign of an apple. And I'm supposed to make a sign. I'm supposed to make a, uh, he says, he says, dame una oración con esa foto. In other words, he said, give me a sentence using this photo. But the word oración in Spanish is also prayer. And so when he said, dame una oración con esa foto, give me a sentence with this picture, I started praying. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Just kidding. Some of you guys here, Joe. Amen. I was just, Padre, Dios, eh, por favor, tengo hambre, dame una manzana. <laughs> and it didn't sound that good, I promise you. Uh, por favor, Dios, uh, dame una cosa roja como esa manzana or algo así. The teacher, the director of the school, walked in and said to me, oh, my goodness. She, she, oh, see, you have to understand something. I come from a line of preachers. My, 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 my wife, I, I married into a family of preachers. I married into a heritage that is so powerful that I have, uh, I have got to walk uh, right, talk right, act right, look right. I have never fit that part. <laughs> and they still love me. It's a miracle. They still love me, amen? My wife fell in love with me, and I am unique. I know it. You don't have to tell me that, amen? I understand it. 
But you know, when you have to do things a certain way, I'm telling you, you have to understand what I'm talking about. You got to get it. You got to know exactly where I'm going with this. And sometimes we live a life, uh, and, and because we're running from one thing or another, you'll run from here, you'll run from there, and all of a sudden something, and I'm getting old because I forgot what I was going to say again. Man, the director of the school, glory to God. Man, did I miss my vitamin? Paul, did I take your vitamins this morning? <laughs> I didn't get the vitamins this morning. That's what it was. So this director of the school walks in. I'm telling you about how, who my family was. And my goodness, that's bad. I'm getting old. Anyways, she walks in and she says, Esperancita de Anza, hola. Que linda eres tú. And she's telling her how beautiful and how wonderful she is. I know your father. I know your brothers. I know your whole family. You come from a line of, of really good people. But this guy right here. You know, the ones that talk with their hands and all that. Man, I was busting some calisthenics waiting to get going on this one. I mean, I was ready. She comes in there and she says, but this one here, he doesn't have it. He's never, <laughs> basically called me dumb. Pastor Blake knows he came to help bail me out. We, I mean, we brought lawyers and the whole works in. We came in there fighting. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, she comes in there and she says all this about my wife, but, but you, oh, no, you'll never learn Spanish. You'll never learn my language in my country. She said, and you will never have a ministry in my country. And I'm thinking, oh. So the first thing I can think of is the only thing I know to say is I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And that's when the Baptist got up and took off a running. Hallelujah, amen. I was in a Baptist school, amen. I ain't got nothing against the Baptists, but they didn't like to hear that, I guess, because they were up and gone. Hallelujah. But glory to God, they were my friends later, amen. They just couldn't understand the conflict, amen. But, you know, there was a lot that rose up in my spirit. There was a lot that rose up in my heart. I began to get sick. Now, here we go. I began to get sick. I had a, a cyst that, that was touching, smashing my brain. And, you know, I, I always knew there was, you know, a problem. I was twitching, and I'm, I'm just kidding. But they found this cyst, and I had to go in for surgery. And this surgery was a malpractice surgery. They almost killed me in that hospital. And Pastor Blake had to help fight that one too. And uh, I went in. I had to do another surgery. And thank God they got it fixed. Amen. I felt like, like a crane was just pulling my brain out of my head from the top of my head all the time. But, you know, I held on to that. I held on to the insecurities. I wasn't qualified. I couldn't do this. I told Pastor Blake every day, I, God didn't call me to pastor a church. Just like some of you men out here, God didn't call me to pastor a church. He called me to be a pillar in the church. I told him all the time, I'm, I'm here to job. I'll be a helpmate. I'm your friend. I'm here to help. I'll do whatever you need. I'm a worker, man. I know how to work. But I'm not called to pastor. See, God's got a sense of humor. Let's go back to that. Here I am pastoring a church in Phoenix, Arizona, because God has a different plan. But I'm telling you what, God's plan was for me to get over all the things that I had to battle in my life. God's plan was for me to open up my heart and say, Lord, listen, this is not about my hurts. Uh, this is not about my pain. But, Lord, this is about what you're going to do in me through this trouble, through this trial, through this insecurity that I have in my life. And this is what you're going to do through me. How are you going to teach me to do what I need to do? It's through that. Amen. God will begin to prepare you as a man, a woman of God. He allows us to go through these things in our lives. 
He allows us to be a part of these certain things in our lives. Uh, Listen, I want you to know today, Joseph is a wonderful example of how to overcome the offenses of life. And much like Joseph, uh, me, myself, and I'm sure you, uh, we we need to understand uh, is we need to keep bitterness and anger out of our spirit. Amen? So that means when that director got fired from her job, I'm not to go back and say, you got fired. Even though that's what I wanted to do. Even though when we had 300 people in that church in Pavas, I'm telling you what, that Pastor Blake and Carla had left to us, I'm telling you what, that church grew to 300 people. And I wanted to call that woman up and I wanted to say, I'm sending a taxi to your house and I'm picking you up and I'm bringing you to this church because I want you to see what God did. Hallelujah. Now, that all sounds good. I wanted that. I wanted to do that. But I didn't have a bitterness or an unforgiveness in my heart. Because we have to have a forgiving heart. If we want God to do what we expect to do in our lives, then we need need to have a forgiving heart. And see, we need to keep bitterness and anger out. Offenses must not dominate my life. Remember what Jesus said. He said, in the world, you will have troubles. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations come against you. And offenses, they will come. They're going to come after you, amen. Suffering does not have to be a negative thing. See, many times we think because we're suffering in an area of our lives that it's such a bad thing. You say, oh, I lost my job. Did you know that God has a better job for you? Didn't you know that God closed one door to open another one because the blessing is going to be big? Matter of fact, the Bible says in Malachi 3.10 that he says, not only will I open those windows of heaven, but I'm going to pour a blessing so large that you will not be able to contain it. Most people would be too embarrassed to say, oh, I, I have a cleaning business. Man, I'm telling you what, I have, I have done very well in a cleaning business. Not anybody can run a cleaning business because it's feast or famine out there in this world, and there's always somebody's going to do it for less, but you want to know something? Our clients don't pay us less. They pay us more for a better service. Amen? Our, parents, our, our clients know that they're going to give us something. It's just like people that come to this church. You know you're coming here. You're going to get the word of God. You're not going to get a feel-good message. You're not going to get something, whoo, man, that just tickled my belly. That was so good. No, you're going to get a, a message that penetrates the heart. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's because of the way we disciple and the way we love people. Amen. Can't you feel the love of God in this place? Can't you feel the power and the anointing of God just moving in this place? We're not criticizing. We're not beating you down. Matter of fact, I've told you about maybe a hundredth of the bad things going on in my life. You're sitting in church today. There's things going on in your life right now that you wouldn't tell your worst enemy. There's hurts in your life right now that that you wouldn't tell anybody at all, ever in your life. They're going through you, and those things are eating up your spirit because you have not completely released it to the Lord. You see, these offenses cannot dominate our life. We have to understand that today. Like I said, it can't be a negative thing, but it needs to be a perfecting thing. It has to be a perfecting thing. Maybe the most important part of the Lord's prayer is the part concerning forgiveness. As he prayed that prayer, it was so important to him. He emphasized it as as if to say, uh, if you forget all else, do not forget this. 
Forgiveness is so important. When Jesus hung on that cross, oh, Lord, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, you think of these words, the, the words forgiveness, it's forever. It's not I'm going to forgive you now and just bring it up to you later. Amen? I know nobody here does that, but <laughs> you never know. So there's three kinds of offenses. There's number one, there's a direct offense. This is when somebody does something to you. Number two, there's an indirect offense. This is when you are told by someone of another person's intent on harming you. And there's the most famous and the most common, number three, it's self-inflicted. Amen? Self-inflicted. These are the things that we can't blame on anyone else. You can't blame it on someone else. We read in the Bible, wonderful man of God in the Bible, David, he is the greatest example of this, of self-inflicted offenses. And in the New Testament, we read that in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, that David was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever asked yourself, why was David a man after God's own heart? Why was he so special? Because he survived his own offenses. He was able to survive his own offenses, things he got himself involved in. He was able to overcome them through his relationship with God. And you and I, we need to understand this today. We can overcome these things and this forgiveness in our life by our relationship that we have with God. Amen? So how do you activate forgiveness in your life? I'm going to give you a couple points. Number one, don't curse it. Never disdain an offense as something that is unimportant or as something that will not work for your good. Amen? Some people say, oh, that happened to me. I lost 100 bucks. Ah, forget it. It's over. I mean, how can we just throw it away so fast? And that's little. I'm talking major things where we just throw them off, blow them off like it's nothing. You know, we have to go through things and understand that, that God is doing something through that situation, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to better me. I'm going to be a better person because of it. Amen? Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Amen? To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. See, we need to know that we need to make it work for us. Ask God to allow you to get something out of it. God. Let me learn from this battle. Listen, instead of only trying to get out of the situation. How many times have we prayed to God? God, get me out of this problem right now. Lord, get me out of this situation. I've got to get out of it. No, instead we ought to be praying, God, help me to learn a lesson through this trial. Help me to learn something, God, as I'm going through this difficult time in my life. Help me to be an overcomer. God, help me to be the man of God. I'll tell you one of the greatest challenges of my life was becoming a pastor because, I mean, you could walk down the street and see me in a fist fight anywhere. It didn't matter. I'm in an argument. I'm fighting somebody. I had to quit playing basketball because I just get too riled up out there. Amen? But when you're a pastor, you can't be acting like the devil. And sometimes you have to give up some things. Sometimes you have to grow up a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them rare ones. It took me until I was about 38 years old to start growing up. You said, I would never admit that if I were you. Well, I'm proud to know that it took me that long to grow up. God was doing something in me. And now the devil better watch out because I'm coming after him, amen? Because now I got my life in order. Now I know how and what to expect, and I know which direction that God is taking me towards. I'm not embarrassed to sit here and tell you these things about me. Because to be honest with you, some of you act like you got it all together. But in reality, deep down, we're hurting. 
we're struggling. And most of the time, it's because we have not forgiven somebody. Or we won't allow someone else to be forgiven or forgive you for something you've done to them. And it's amazing what we do is we, we just, we make a big deal out of it. Make it work for you. Ask God to allow you to get something out of this situation. Not just to get out of this situation. Number two, don't nurse it. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Because others have been through exactly what you're going through. Someone else is going through the same exact battle that you're going through. Pain is inevitable. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We're going to suffer. We're going to live it. We're going to suffer. Amen. Hebrews 5.8 says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. How many know that you're going to experience and you're going to learn off of your suffering? Harvard University. Costa Rica was my Harvard University. You say, well, you went to Harvard? Oh, man, I'm telling you. Harvard don't got nothing on what I've been through. Amen? And I'm, I'll be honest with you, education-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm three credits away from a degree in mechanical engineering. Mechanic, machine technology, all kinds of different things that I studied. When I got out of high school, I went and did some studies. But guess what? I have no interest in that stuff anymore. Am I telling you not to go to college? No, I'm not saying that. But if you'll ask God what he has for you, God will give you an idea. I stood in the middle of the street and looked around like this. You can ask Pastor Blake. He knows. I've told him all my stories. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And I see cars going by. I see houses up on. I see buildings. I see all this crazy stuff. And God gave me a plan. He gave me an idea. I had never done it in my entire life. I was a custom craftsman. I built beautiful wood pieces and, and armoires and beds. And I built plantation shutters. That's what I did for a living. And God spoke to me. He says, I want you to clean windows. Now, that was the craziest thing I ever heard God say. And I don't ever claim to be the best. I don't ever claim to, to know everything about what I do. But I'll tell you what, God put a joy of the Lord in my heart. And I wash them windows. Woo! I get to whistle. I get to pray for people. I get to cast devils out of them. I get to uh, encourage people that are going through trials. Uh, husband's calling me saying, well, you can't come do my windows today because my wife left me last night. I said, well, let me come on over anyways. Uh, I begin to minister. I begin to share the love of God. Let me tell you something. I had no idea what God did to me when he called me to do what I do. And he says, you can take it anywhere you want to take it. And he gave us a plan. He gave us an idea, showed us how we can make it work in different places. Listen, God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what time it is. Don't rehearse it. Don't rehearse this thing. The greatest temptation that we have in times of offense is to tell others. We tell people things. Number four, disperse it. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. You're not created to be a beast of burden. God didn't create you to just cause havoc in life. God didn't cause you, raise you up to have hurt and pain in your life forever. Matter of fact, that pain is not godly unless it has something to do with what God is doing in your life. God said he will carry you. In Isaiah 46, 4, he says, even to your old age, I'm he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. And then he says, I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. See, our problem becomes God's problem. 
<laughs> in that verse, he says, just let it go. Hand it over. Give it to me. It belongs to me. It's mine. We often keep situations. I want you to hear this. We keep these situations caged up in our hearts. And we take them out long enough to beat them up and put them back in. You know, when you're at your most vulnerable time of your life, you reach in, you take it out. Sometimes, unintentionally, you want to hurt everyone around you because you've been hurt, because you've been robbed. I could come to this place. You could tell me, 100% of you could tell me, I don't care about you. I don't ever want to see you again. You better bet your last dollar I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Because it's not me you don't like. It's the Spirit of God in me. Hallelujah. I tell, and I'm, and I'm using that as just an example. I'm, that's not, I know you don't mean that. You, you would never say that to me. That tamale was so good. Keep them coming, Lord. Keep them coming. Let me tell you something. We are hurting people sitting in a church. And we come in the house of God. We're carrying burdens. I, I, I feel the Holy Spirit working in people's lives right now. If you knew how the struggle in my life was right now as I stand and preach the word of God to you. I, I'm not, I don't tell this story to make you feel sorry for me. My daughter left our home. We've raised her in a godly place. And I want you to pray. I want you to believe. But because I'm going through something, it doesn't mean that I have to sit down and do nothing. And many times in our lives, we give up. We give up in areas of our life. We give up because something has happened to me. Because I've lost something. My investment. Who I thought I was going to be. I owned a concrete flat work business. I started this business. I put my heart, my life into this business. It was a prosperous, beneficial, I mean, it was an awesome business. And when God called me into the ministry, I called up the guy that worked for us and I said, hey, we're giving this all to you. Equipment, contracts, tools, everything you want, it's yours. You can have it. Money doesn't mean anything to me. But when you think about investing into your children's lives for all of their lives, my daughter's 20 years old. She's been raised in a home of love and peace and kindness and, and joy and happiness. Everything you can imagine in a godly way. We raised this young lady to love the Lord. And all of a sudden, boom, gone. Matter of fact, it was almost right after the rally here in Denton when, when, when we lost our baby. She's alive. But we don't know how she's doing. Six months went by. I hadn't spoken to her. Gone. There's a family here, you're dealing with the same exact thing I'm dealing with. And you have no idea how encouraging your words were to me. And what I'm trying to say to you is, just because I'm going through something, it doesn't mean I throw in the towel. Just because I'm going through a battle, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not giving you details, so all you chipitos, the chipito is the nosies. You want to know details? I'm not giving them. 
telling you because I want you to pray. I want you to get a hold of God. And I don't care if you're not even saved in this place. You, you're thinking about this crazy pastor that preached this morning. I want you to pray for his daughter. God's bringing her home. God's bringing that woman home. But guess what? I let it go. You say, how can you just let it go? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I did. I let her go. And when I released her to God, I felt a peace come upon my life. My, my wife can't handle it like I do. My wife lays in that bed like some of you mothers, you'd weep. You, you can't handle it. My daughter's grandfather is Pastor Ron Jones. Our senior pastor of our fellowship is her uncle. Everyone else, this is her uncle Blake and, and, and Auntie Carla. These are, these are, we're family. Destiny, her best friend. We don't know. But I'm not going to try to figure it out. Because I gave her to God. Oh, don't get me wrong. In the beginning, I struggled with this. See, I wrote this message overnight. Because God didn't want me to minister what I was going to minister. God gave me this message. I broke out a pen and a notebook. And man, I tell you, I, I don't ever preach out of a notebook like this. I got to hold the pages open. and I mean, but I got to do what God says. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go to those people. I wanted to, I wanted to go to jail. If the Apostle Paul can do it, why can't I go to jail for it? I want to go fight somebody. I want to go find out. I want to get to the details of this. I want to grab her by her hair and bring her home. God said, no. He says, I got her. Okay, God. She's all yours. And then I lifted my hands up and said, praise God. Here we are. Oh, yeah, it hurts. There's no doubt the hurts there. You see that? It's pretty obvious. It's not easy for a man to get up and cry, but guess what? I'm a big baby. Because I know what God is doing. I know what God is doing. And I'm going to serve him. The devil can try to destroy me. He can destroy a church or destroy a, a congregation. The devil can destroy anybody. He can do whatever he wants to. But guess what? For me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. And my heart cries for you and your family because you're going through things today too. You're hurting inside. There are things going on in your life right now that you've never told anyone. And that's not saying to go and tell everybody either. Don't do that. Because the closest friends you have will slap you so hard you won't be able to handle it. Give it to God. Give it to God. Oh, and talk to glory and hallelujah. I call my left foot glory and I call my right foot hallelujah. Because sometimes I don't want to go anywhere. Sometimes I want to stay home. Vamos, Gloria. Vamos, hallelujah. Tenemos que salir caminando. We got to go. Come on, we got to get somewhere today. Talk to myself like a crazy man. But guess what? I'm crazy. But I'm crazy for Jesus. I'm crazy for Jesus. I don't care what goes on in my life, anywhere in my life. I want what God has for me. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to the Lord this morning. Praise God. You know, I've ministered enough and I've 
said about all I can say this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying and doing the work this morning. And you're here right now and you hear the sound of my voice. And I want to make an altar call for those that are in this place today. You're not right with God. You're away from the Lord. There's some things going on in your life right now and, and you know they're not pleasing to God and today's your day. You want to be free. You want to be set free today. If that's you, just lift your hand up all over this place. Left to right, front to back. Come on. Put it up. Put it right back down. You say, I want to be right. I see these hands. How many more? Put them up and put them back down. I see these hands. Praise God. How many more? Come on. Don't be bashful. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Hallelujah. Amen. God's going to set you free today. This is your day. Maybe you're one of those people that is, 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 is playing around with some sin in your life. Maybe you're one of those that's been out there doing your thing and nobody knows about this secret sin that you have going on. Listen, you don't have to confess to anybody in this place, but give it to God. Surrender to the Lord this morning. Come on, let's all stand up to our feet this morning. Everybody here, stand up. I'm going to open up these altars, and I want you to come forward. Those that raise your hands to be saved, I want you, young lady, come on down to this altar. Come on, God's going to touch your life. Yes, God's going to touch your life today. There was one more right in here somewhere. There was one more right over here. Please don't hold back. If you lifted your hand up, come on down here and get a hold of God. Just stand right down here. I want to pray for you in just a moment, okay? God bless you. God bless you. Young lady, what's your name? Praise God. Listen, I want to open up these altars. You're battling some areas of unforgiveness in your life. I want you just to come down here and give it to God. Let me tell you something. Let me warn you. When you give it to God, don't take it back. When you give it to God, listen, you are free from that moment forward. It's like your sin. He says, I'll wash your sin white as snow. I throw it as far as the east is from the west. That means no more does he remember it. That's what the word of God says. That's not this uh, preacher preaching this message to you. This is God speaking to you. It has been forgiven. It has been erased. Gone. Today's your day. Bring it to the Lord. Come on. Open. These altars are open.